Welcome to Frustration Nation, presented by Shoot Your Shot Sports. We are the FN Podcast for FN fans of FN Sports teams. Every episode we explore the heartbreak, horror, and humiliation of what it means to be a diehard fan. I'm your pessimistic host and Chicago fan, Furious George. With me as always is my miserable co-host and Detroit fan, Man Michigan Hat. What's up? Hi. How are you? (laughs) Good. Good. A a little (laughs) under the weather? Yeah, voice is still out a little bit. I feel better, but uh, yeah. Sound like I smoke six packs a day. No big deal. Only? (laughs) Some rookie numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so cool. So uh, Vent Sesh is where we like to start our episodes. So what are you mad about? Um, I'm going to change my original thoughts, which means there's several things I'm mad about. Well, you don't have to worry about admitting that to the listeners because they are just listening to this now. <laughs> they know nothing about what we previously may have discussed. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> what I am upset about, which has been planned for a long time <laughs> with no changes, is uh, Lions fans acting like today is like the greatest day in franchise history because... Today was announced Hard that Knox. Hard Knocks is going to be draft. yeah Hard Knocks is going to be filming in Detroit this year. The Woo. NFL draft will be hosted in Detroit 2024. Now let me just say I I'm excited about both things. Like it's fine to say both things are going to be entertaining, but neither one is a success by the Lions. So when Lions fans are talking about how things are turning around in this city, or you know like this is the best thing that's happened to Detroit since the tigers were in the world series or like things like that nothing was accomplished so like do you get what i'm saying where it's like it's fine to be excited because you think it's going to be entertaining or you just enjoy seeing your teams do things but to act like somehow this is like a monumental achievement for the lions they have done nothing the nfl gave them two things you know it's like so i just i don't understand that mindset and i think that's probably common with fans of teams who don't win anything (laughs) and the lions are like right at the bottom of that list uh it's just over the past year (laughs) for some for some lions fans watching 10 episodes of hard knocks might be like cruel and unusual punishment (laughs) like you gotta watch 10 episodes of that then three preseason games and then 17 (laughs) regular season games really what you wanted to see is more lions (laughs) okay but it's like yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. But the whole point is Hard Knocks is a show talking about struggling teams. Yeah. So it's like to act like this is like anything other than just entertainment at the like at the expense of your team 
is just naive. It's like, oh, this is like because Detroit's up and coming. Everyone loves Dan Campbell. Like, yeah, it's because there's some entertainment stuff. Like, there's a factor there. But the reason is like everyone's gonna laugh and enjoy this at your expense. This isn't a show about like up, up and coming, high rising teams. Yeah. It's a show about bad teams. You know, like yeah. And and I don't know. I don't know because they haven't. They've never chosen the Bears, which I, I've been shocked by based on like yeah. the years leading up to 2018 but from what i've i've heard like some teams say that it, it it can be a legitimate distraction on the field because it's like yeah you know there's this tv show that's being like you know how there's a thing a while ago like almost a year ago now or whatever where scotty pippen was like well michael jordan did these things this way because he knew that he was filming a 10-part documentary series and everyone was like you don't know what you're talking about, Scottie Pippen. Why? That's stupid. Yeah. Well, in this case, these players actually do know that they're filming a 10-part documentary series. Right. And you never know what things might be said or what things people may do that could distract from, like, the actual focus of what needs to be done. Yeah. And I'm not concerned about it, but you, the point is, which I agree, is, like, if anything, this could be framed as a negative, you yeah. know? And so it's like... I'm not going to be that miserable Lions fan because some fans have gone to the other extreme and been like, this is terrible, you know, like all this stuff. Like, that's too far to the other direction. I think the middle ground is to say, I'm excited for this. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be entertained. But this says nothing about the progress of our rebuild, which is really all that matters, you know? I'm just waiting for Antonio Brown to walk through the doors of the Detroit Lions for (laughs) It's a moment in the spotlight this season. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. It's just between that and the draft, it's like I like content about my team, yeah. but this isn't a reflection on anything they've done. You know? <clears throat> so I have event sesh about Twitter as well. I mm-hmm. think a lot of our thoughts come from things going on on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Mine is just Bears fans, and I'm gonna. I have a lot of very strong thoughts about this, and I'm going to get way more in depth in it on this week's episode of Full Press Bears. So you want to make sure you check that out. Um, but basically, Bears fans have been up Ryan Pohl's butt this whole off season with any any move he does. It has been. Everything he everything is under a microscope, and Bears fans have gone from expecting him to sign like every big name free agent possible, ex- execute every big name trade that there has been, no matter the expense, either against the cap or your draft capital. People have been like, he needs to be doing these things, or even if they knew he wouldn't get it, like, well, he's not doing his due diligence by not even pursuing that or whatever. Um, There's been a lot of hate for that. And then most recently, there was, there were two things that happened in a row that are very unfortunate for Ryan Poles because of the haters. Mm-hmm. Both things, I, I think you could argue he had control over, but technically both things were out of his control. One is that they agreed to terms on a contract with Larry Ogunjobi, and then in during his physical, he did not pass it. 
And Ryan Poles revealed today in a press conference at the owners' meetings that, um, or at the coaches' meetings, he revealed that the NFL needs to change their policies because the Bears were not given the proper amount of medical foreknowledge before offering Larry Okunjobi the deal, which led then to this deal being deconstructed because of a failed physical. Mm -hmm. So to me, that sounds like, because a lot of people were saying, well, he should have known Okunjobi, like, you know, broke it, had to have foot surgery after the AFC championship game or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you can argue that. But now, especially if he's like, I don't even have the basics, the basic information laid out in front of me, then you can't really blame him for that. And two, Ryan Bates is this offensive lineman from Buffalo, and Bears fans were, for some reason, salivating over him. Guys, like, listeners, I don't know why, okay? I, I mean, Again, I'll try to get into it on Full Press Bears a little more specifically, but the man has started four games in the NFL, and he's been in the league for a few years, like... Yep. So why, if he is so great, why hasn't he seen a starting lineup? Like I, I don't, I don't get. Bears fans were like infatuated with this dude, and the Bears offered him a deal. He was a restricted free agent, meaning the Bills could <coughs> off the Bills could re uh, what was match the contract, match yep. and um, the Bills chose basically at the eleventh hour to offer him a matched contract and so ryan bates is staying with buffalo so basically those two things happened um in a row and that when you add up with all of the other free agents that people wanted or trade trade pieces that people wanted that pace or polls wasn't able to deliver on people are just out of their minds furious about this guy like People are already writing blogs and think pieces about why they think he should be fired. People are, are saying, like, this is the worst offseason in Bears history. Like, all, they're just jumping to all of these crazy, wild conclusions. And I'm just over here like, okay, <coughs> what you need to realize here, and this is a good thing, is that Ryan Poles, who George McCaskey has made clear, that being the general manager of the Bears is more like being the president of football operations. Like, you do have general manager responsibilities, but you also have a larger role. And also, he hired an assistant general manager, the first assistant general manager in Bears history, uh, Ian Cunningham, okay? And together, they have the complex responsibility of rebuilding, not a team, but the organization and the way they've always done things and the way they've run things. And you know what? When you're going to undergo as massive a change as that, there are going to be growing pains, okay? And trading Khalil Mack for Skittles and not signing big names, even though you have the cap room and all and saving your draft picks, they're boring, okay? It's boring, but it is necessary, all right? Mm-hmm. And I... It's frustrating to me because <laughs> I guess this is the maybe I don't sound like the optimist here, but I think I am being more optimistic than most people. Like I'm sitting here like you need to play the long game here, like wait it out, be patient. It the Ryan Poles being hired was not about this season. Yeah. It's about like 2022. I'll be honest, it's a throwaway season. If the Bears 
make the playoffs somehow. That's the cherry on top, but it's a throwaway season. It's a season about resetting. 2023 is the beginning of a window for you to execute with fields under the, the rookie contract. Mm-hmm. You'd have about th- two, three years to do that. So there's still time. People are just, <coughs> people are just, I, I think Ryan Pace really broke people. And mm-hmm. like people, and Ryan Pace was so opposite of polls too, because Pace was super aggressive. Like Pace would be the guy that go get the big name like Khalil Mack or trading up to get Trubisky, who people forget was the big name of that draft going into it and things like that. And sometimes it works. You trade up to get Fields, which we still don't know if that worked, but like you got a piece for the future and all that, you know. But like the Bears just needed an adult in the room. And yep. so he had a lot of stuff to undo, the same as when the Lions switched their front office. And you need to be patient because you have to tear it down before you can build it back up. Yep. And I think it's fair to say, like, all right, some people are criticizing everything he does other people i've seen not as many of these people but there's a few people who refuse to say he could have even possibly done anything wrong or refuse to criticize it like i think it's fair to say are there a couple of things here and there he could have done differently or done better probably because he's a new gm and he's a young gm yeah he's like but that's six yeah but that's okay too you know like because you're rebuilding and no gm's perfect no matter how much experience they have so you just have to be patient with him, even if he does make a couple of rough moves, because when the, you bring a GM like that to completely tear down a lot of things and re, have to rebuild it, you're giving them a long runway to do it. You know, so, so as a fan, you have to give them the same time that the ownership's giving them. You know. So my opinion on this, real quick, is that I'm definitely, I'm honestly pretty close to the side of the people saying like he hasn't done anything wrong yet. And the main reason yeah. I'm very close to that side is just because I don't really believe that there's been enough time that has passed to judge whether what he's done was right. was bad or not. Like, yeah, honestly, I really don't know if you can judge how this offseason played out until really you get to, like, final cuts before the season. Like, yeah, that that's to, to me where you can finally start to see the long game in uh-huh. it. But, but like we haven't even gotten to the draft yet. Like, yeah. people are like, "Oh, we, they have all these needs. All these things can be addressed." Yes, and they will. Like, calm down about it. Yeah, uh, but it's it's insane to me. And it's just like at the in the moment right now, it's too early to say for sure he's done anything wrong. Like, I think don't think there's any one thing. Yeah, you and can I point take to. your point. I do take your point. Like, like I, you might I, look back a year from now and be like, okay, that one move maybe wasn't the best. But even if that's true, it doesn't mean you fire him. You well, know? Paul's even today in his press conference basically admitted <clears throat> that the whole mess with Ogan Joby prohibited them from pursuing yeah. other big free agents during that first wave. And there were other free agents they were pursuing. Ryan Allen, the center for the Rams. Um, there was someone else too. But there were other big, bigger free agents they were pursuing that they they didn't get their offer accepted. Was the offer not aggressive enough? Was it not big enough? What was what was the deal that didn't you know what maybe they maybe there's other reasons. There's probably reasons we'll never know why certain things didn't happen the way we expected them. But right. the point is, I think you can take a positive look at 
poll's reaction to the Ogan Joby stuff. And I think you can say at least he's being reflective and trying to realize, think about how he can improve in the future. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's my little spiel. Get off of the back of this dude because, like, again, he's like 36 and he's a general, he's his first time general manager. Like, I really think he's going to do great things for the Bears. I think that making an organizational change is very monumental and mm-hmm. something the bears have been needing to do for a few decades now and they're finally doing it so there's a few silver linings it's like all right rebuilds always suck but if you're gonna have to go through a rebuild at least it could be more fun when you have a new gm and head coach to evaluate you have a young quarterback to evaluate and you have some other sports teams in your town who are good like we'll talk about them a little later but like the bulls are good the white Sox are good the cubs are making moves and they're exciting you know like kind of so you yeah you kind of just have to embrace like hey rebuilds suck but what are the things i can still watch for and be excited about you know yeah but it's got to happen you don't want to be stuck in football purgatory for the next decade where you're just always a seven to nine win team so make the playoffs every other year and lose the first game like that sounds pretty just, good for the lions i mean that's basically <laughs> what we had with caldwell yeah and it's like okay is rebuilding less fun even than that yeah but the point is that we're trying to surpass that someday right, you know? right. i don't want to be stuck there forever winning eight games you know losing the first getting blown out in the first playoff game every year you know yep yeah it's it's yeah um (laughs) regarding the cubs yeah they're pissing me off because the latest rumor is that they're going to trade wilson Contreras before oh yeah the season starts the season starts in like 10 days so it's kind of odd like you don't see that in baseball as much like I feel like there's a lot more like, hey, we're going to trade this guy, but we think he's good enough. He can build up his value and we'll trade him right before the deadline. You know? Yeah, I would. I mean, if they're going to trade Contreras, I'd rather they do that anyway. So because by then there's going to be teams needing players, especially aren't isn't universal DH start this year. <clears throat> yes, it does. So you'd think that'd be a really good deadline move for a team in the NL. That's like, hey, we actually don't know who our DH is. Well, Contreras I mean, could DH if you wanted, you know. I mean, if they had a, if they already had a solid catcher that they didn't, right? Or you're gonna have an older <coughs> catcher, and maybe you want him to I think, DH and you bring Contreras in. I don't know. That's true. Yeah, because I think Contreras would be an upgrade at catcher for most teams. Yeah, it just gives which you is exactly why I want the Cubs to hold on to him because, yeah. to me, he is clearly still one of the best catchers in baseball. He is good, and yeah. you're just going to trade like. They have Miguel Amaya, who's this other catcher in the farm system that's supposed to be like highly touted. Okay. You never know how he's actually going to amount. Giovanni Soto won rookie of the year and hit like 35 bombs in his rookie season and then sucked after that for the Cubs. <laughs> so, yeah. like, how, how old's you... Contreras, too? I mean, mid 20s, right? Yeah, he's got to be. So, like, if I'm the Cubs, I bring up this prospect and let him catch one out of every four days or something. Oh, yeah. And then. <laughs> then see at the deadline do we think he's done enough to justify moving him and then plus if you trade somebody at the deadline you can usually find at least one team who's desperate you know right now there's not a lot of desperate teams compared to at the trade deadline normally wilson Contreras is 29 but okay. yeah but i still think though that maybe if you gave him like 
if you gave him a friendly extension, like a two or three year extension. Yep. The thing about that that would intrigue be intriguing for him is that you could sell him on the point of like you are going to be the centerpiece of our next push for the World Series. Yeah. And by giving him only a couple year deal, you still allow him to have a huge contract after to that. Get that one big final deal. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't know. That's a little D- side note. I, it's interesting. Yeah. But since we're talking about it, baseball is coming up. Yes. Finally. Yeah. I need some <sighs> some uh what what are what are some of the bets on points bet that you no runs baseball? first inning. Yep. Um first five money line, like first five innings. Oh yeah. Let's go. Baseball betting's my best betting. Like it's the is one it? I do which good this thing year I actually did well. Games yeah, and it's team. like usually you could identify all right this team is really good it's just a numbers game at that point this team is really good at covering first five inning money lines if you bet them and they win three out of every five you're making a profit you know so yeah it's just it's fun it's a consistent and plus it's the fact that games start early in the day so normally i'll bet one game and then listen to it on my drive home from work it's just baseball is just awesome um so yeah between the betting uh us kind of starting to look at the schedules as far as trying to plan some games we can go to. Uh, it's just exciting to have it back. So I just I just did the math here. So each team plays 162 games, right? Yep. But every game is against an opponent. So I took that number, divided it in half, and then multiplied it times 30 to get the number of total games played in an MLB season. Would that be accurate? Uh, so every so 162 divided by because every game you can't I couldn't do 162 times 30 because every individual game includes two teams. So it's 15 then you're saying right times 162. Oh, I could have done that too. I guess I see what you're saying. Yeah, I did 81 times 30. Is that the same math? Uh, I don't know. So yeah, it is. It is. It comes out the same number. All right, cool. So either yep. way, then with either math option that we did here, okay. here's a little tip for all of you. And again, you can we haven't promoted this in a while, but you can use our promo code FRUSTRATE when you sign up for PointsBet. Yep. Uh, so you can bet with us and bet all these baseball bets. And you can do, it, do so responsibly. And if you don't, you should call 1-800-GAMBLER or whatever it is in your local state. I'm too lazy to look it up for you. I think Indiana is like something, something, something with it. 1-800-9 with Get your shit together. 69 yeah. with it. Okay. It um, <laughs> but if you bet on baseball and you put down if you are if you set yourself up to win a dollar per game for the whole season, yep. you would end the season assuming there's no rainouts. And if you won that so if you won a dollar for every game of the season, you would end up with $2,430. Nice. Yeah. And so that's if you're betting $1 bets per game, you'd have to win every game. No, 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 no. But if you if you win a dollar per game. So let So if you bet yeah. $5 per game and you win a little over half of them though. Oh, oh wait, you're just saying if you win a dollar per game. So it doesn't matter how many you lose, you're saying I get you. I mean, I mean, you, you may you may lose more than you win. But if you win a dollar a yeah. game, you still end up at twenty four thirty. Gotcha. 
basically what we're saying is put down 50 cents on every single bet on the game and every game and at least one of them will hit probably yeah. and that is what's fun about betting it is like you can do a couple dollar bets per game and just pick 10 games if you wanted you know yeah and you're not doing the same like with nfl it's like all right i got to do a bigger bet you know and i got to watch the game because i have money on it baseball is great because you can just look at the pitching matchups pick six games you like and then check the scores tomorrow yeah. you know but yeah no yeah. i'm i'm so i'm finally excited for baseball season like yep. i'm still frustrated that i can't get marquee network on youtube tv and again i am not i refuse to change tv service services just so i can have the marquee network yeah i got a big Xfinity or which one is it it's on xfinity and i think fubo tv okay i'm just i'm a big cubs fan but i i'm not going to go through just extra rigmarole and Mm, good payments and things like that just so i can watch my team like on fupa tv (laughs) fubo (laughs) oh yeah, yeah, it's so just out of principle at that point. It's just dumb. But thank, thankfully, in my area, I am able to get 670 to score, which the Cubs are broadcasted on. So I will be able to listen to games on the radio. Nice. One of the better purchases the I got was <laughs> nice. I have MLB, an MLB radio subscription that's like, I think it's nice. like eight, $8 a month or something. And you can listen to all the games. So. You're you're like ten dollars away from paying for the Marquee Network proposed, because <laughs> uh, the Marquee Network proposed like a subscription service for people who didn't get Xfinity wow. or Fubo. Well, it'll be but nice it's to be at least eighteen dollars a month. Yeah, that's and crazy. I was it's got to be I less was, than ten. That's crazy because you're would, not going to watch I anything pay, else on it. I would pay up to like thirteen because thirteen is like what like basic Netflix, Hulu, yeah. and uh, HBO Max packages are at. Like put like thirteen, I will pay for it. Maybe even fifty, but like eighteen. Like, is there even going to be anything else on this, or is it just baseball stuff? So they, they do play a lot like of reruns. They do of a lot of games? other. They do a lot of programming. Okay. Throughout the season, and a lot of it is not anything I am super interested in watching so, yeah. personally. If you're not going to offer more than just being able to watch the games, that's kind of steep. Well, and I I think about it too. Like even when the Cubs were on NBC Sports Chicago and wgn and things like that i think about it too and i'm like okay out of 162 games how many did i actually watch like yeah probably at best like 50, even during like 60. 2016 or 2015 i would guess at best i watched a third of them because yeah. there's so many games it's it's hard to keep up with all of them you know forget what I mean? who said it but i heard somebody say once i don't care how big of a baseball fan you are if you watch more than half of your team's games in, in a year you're a psychopath <laughs> <laughs> and it's true it's like even if the tigers are like world series favorites and have yeah. the most exciting roster in baseball there's no way i'm watching more than three games a week ever you know well now with me living on east coast time when the cubs go play the padres in san diego games yeah. start at 10 p.m yeah and then want to watch the tigers face off against the mariners at 10 40 eastern time you know yeah no thanks <laughs> well at least you're on central and 9 40 but like if i did that yeah, yeah. 10 40 start time and and i a three just, hour base like watch that baseball game go into like 13 innings. that game's gonna go to extras for yeah. sure <laughs> yeah and it's gonna be in the middle of the week <laughs> but i'm just looking for like baseball always has i feel like a lot of really compelling stories with it mm-hmm. especially with base so baseball to me um 
I, I feel so. You know how football, the NFL has a lot of parody in the sense that every year there's one to two, maybe even three teams that are were bottom feeders the year before, and the next worst year all first. of a sudden, yeah, yep. worst to first stories. Yep. Baseball has that, not so much from teams, but on like an individual level. Mm, like mm. a lot of stories of, oh, here's this person who was like Kristen like, Yellett. Yeah, whatever his name is, Yellich who was really good and then really bad for Milwaukee. Like, is he going to be good again? I don't know. You know, well, or even, even stories like, so like someone like Patrick wisdom, who had a big run for the Cubs last year for Mm -hmm. him. It's like, he's been in the minors his whole career. He can't get out of the minors. He finally gets his call up at age 29. And look at that. He hits 30 home runs. Like stories like that, or sometimes there'll be stories of, Oh, there was this pitcher. He was drafted first overall by the Yankees or whatever, and he had a really horrible injury, and he spent the rest of his career in the minors. He's finally getting his shot. Like yep. you have a lot of these stories, and like Christian Yelich is a good example. You have stories like Max Scherzer, who's like 38 and now going into a big contract with the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. Like, how will he play? Or wait, no, he's yeah. with the Mets. The Mets. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. The Mets. It's like, how will he play with the Mets? Shohei Otani had like a magical season. Can he replicate yep. what he just did? Or yep. do we see either hitting or pitching regress? You know, like yep. the, just the storylines, the day to day storylines are so compelling. And because you feel like you actually get real answers to it. For the yep. NFL, it's such a short season as far as how many games are played. It still feels kind of fluky. You know, like it's hard to know did they just get hot at the right time and have a good season or like, and a, baseball has so many at bats and games that you feel like you get to see more storylines actually be played out. You know, Matt Matt Spiegel, who's a voice on Six Seventy Score, he's a huge baseball fan, mm. and I don't remember how he put it, but his voice was once used to like promote Cubs games a couple of years ago on Six Seventy Score, and he said something to the effect of like how every baseball game is its own unique story because on any given day on any given baseball game, there's an infinite number of possible things that can happen, which makes every single baseball game unique in its own way. And that is like, so I feel like it's truer in baseball than any other sport because there's so many crazy weird stat things. Every field is different. The weather is different. Every time you have different players in the lineup, at different points in their career like it truly is and i think that's why baseball has this idea of america's pastime Mm -hmm. and i i feel like you and i right now we're really romanticizing baseball because we do love it yep and the reality is we want more people to see this love but baseball continues to not want people to see that (laughs) yeah no game is like has such a great product and does such a great job of making it seem uninteresting you know so true. I mean, really, <laughs> baseball would benefit from shutting their mouth on things. Yeah. No, it's not even that. Because actually, they don't need to shut their mouth. They just need to redirect their mouth. They like, need to talk about the right things. Yeah. It's like, how about instead of all this attention on labor disputes and contract stuff, why don't you go out and actually promote your stars? You yep. know, like the fact that Mike Trout isn't like one of the most recognizable faces yep. in American sports over the past five years yep. is a crime. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Especially in baseball where like in 
the NFL, it's even harder, you would think, because on the field with helmets and everything, yep. you don't get to really see the players. Yep. If you have a, a player who's in the outfield, you can, especially in baseball, you can mic players up. Like, okay, like it's so, like, it's a sport that's begging to be promoted and just isn't, you know? There, there's, there's so many. I mean, honestly, just them. They just, they just need like. There's, there's so many ways that could, like, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just thinking of things like, for example, so last year they had the Field of Dreams game, right? That was super that was cool. Sick. Yeah. Not even. I mean, I'm not a White Sox fan, and I hate the Yankees, but like, it was, yeah, was still cool. And the way the game went too. That oh, was yeah. like story how a walk off and like late inning yep. like by both sides heroics it's like that game like put a ribbon on it take a picture hang it in the hall of fame that was like one of the most perfect games of baseball i've ever seen I and think, i hate the white Sox. i but think it's still honest, just such a great moment it's like why don't you have more things like this you know honestly other than braves fans last year who won the world series i think everyone else would say that that was the best game of baseball the whole season yeah that's the best game of baseball i've probably seen in years and so they announced that they're doing it again and that this year it's going to be cubs and reds that's cool it is cool but you didn't know know about it because it hasn't been talked about i haven't even heard that that game ended and you know what actually following baseball people and stuff really closely and i still didn't know that that should be promoted capitalize on how well the last one went and actually tell people about this yes (laughs) and this didn't happen because of covid but at one point, the Cubs and the Cardinals were supposed to play in London. That would wow. have been cool. Like, let's bring that back and let's promote that. Like, that would have been really cool. Or, yeah, Mike Trout. Like, hey, instead of us doing all these labor disputes, maybe we have Mike Trout record, like, a hilarious commercial or something that is, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, why is every State Farm commercial Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes? Like, get Mike Trout on a State Farm commercial. Like, yeah, if baseball could do these things, they would be... I don't know. They would be in such a better place. And I agree with you. Like they have, because the product is so good, there's nothing they need to do to it. And that's the great irony with baseball. And what makes us so frustrated is just that so much of the discussion is how can we change the game? It needs to be more interesting to people. Like we need to shorten these games. People don't have the attention spans they used to when the reality is the game has always been perfect it's always been fine the problem is the way you market it the way you make it known or not known to people another prime example the home run derby all right last year's home run derby the fact that Shohei Otani a pitcher is the headliner of it and the home run derby is already so great because the home run derby is way better than any hockey skills competition any pro bowl stuff way better than the dunk contest it's like by far the best like standalone fun uh, skill event slash game or whatever that's tied to a sport yeah and nobody cared about it you know it's like i don't even remember who won i don't either <laughs> it's just like um I need to I, now. two years ago was pete was Alonso, it? i think and i know the one year bryce harper barely beat kyle schwarber yeah it's just part of it is because we're baseball fans we're biased to really like the product and maybe there are a lot of people out there who actually do think it's really slow and don't like it but i'm the same as you i just i think the oh, issue is one last year too okay did he okay <laughs> well it's good to know yeah i just don't yeah 
I agree with you. I don't think the issue is the game itself. I think they're not doing any favors to the game by the way that they promote it. So like, especially the mic'd up stuff. Would you see all that stuff as far as like this player in the dugout and this player who's currently in the outfield are both mic'd up on the call with the TV and they're like talking trash to each other and stuff. Like in what other sport can you do that? Are you going to have a basketball player mic'd up while he's like running up and down the court? You can't do that. Yep. Baseball has unique things that you can do with marketing that other sports can't. So if anything, it should be easier to market baseball. You know, it's like Pete Alonso was the first player to win consecutive home run derbies since Cabrera. Yo, anus. Cespedes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. He what played for the Tigers, didn't he? Yeah, for two years, maybe. Yeah. Prince Fielder also hit two, but not consecutive. Okay. Anyway. Huh. Yeah. No. So anyway, what we're, the point of this segment here is we're very excited for baseball to start. Yep. And we're very frustrated that not more people are excited. Um, but yeah, we're, we're just, let's just get the season going and get your head out of your butt, Rob Manfred. Yep. And I'm hopeful for the Tigers. Like it's like it's that great time of year where as much as there's still parts of me that are disappointed, we didn't make bigger moves. I know deep down that they're not a great team still. It's like baseball it's like any other sport at the beginning of the year you still have hope because you never know you know yep so yeah excited but no the yeah it's it's awesome and especially because i my wife and i already have we haven't picked a game yet but we have plans to go to a game at wrigley in june Mm -hmm. you and i have pretty almost we haven't bought tickets yet we pretty much solidified a plan memorial day weekend to see a couple tigers games so more than one probably see two games in one weekend it's gonna be awesome i've never done that before so Me I'm, I'm excited yeah. yeah two games at the same time <laughs> every man's be, dream that'd be awesome <laughs> um all right so moving on to our next topic um which would i guess when we think about sports that have such a great product but they always like to eat themselves alive in terms of how they handle things is NCAA. That's more mm. true in football, but yeah, it can be true. I think to a certain extent in basketball, and we haven't talked about March Madness at all because I was out of town and we just haven't had time to really talk about it. But we're down now, all of a sudden, to the Final Four, and it's a Final Four of a bunch of blue bloods. Basically, all you're missing is Kentucky in that mix. Um, so, how are you feeling about the Final Four? So, or the whole tournament again. So, the tournaments are great. I mean, this year, I feel like I personally thought last year was more entertaining. Yeah. Because you got more upsets, it kind of felt like last year. I mean, you did this year too, like the fact that the Peacocks made it to the Sweet 16. Well, Gonzaga and Arizona went out pretty early. Yeah. So, I'd have to look back at Tennessee. Statistically. I don't remember actually some <laughs> 11 seed. <laughs> yeah. Another blue blood. Actually, I consider Michigan a blue blood kind of um, at this well, point. Who's, okay. Now I know you have a strong opinion about this. I'm sure. Yeah. But I feel like Michigan state is referred to more of a blue blood. They than are Michigan. more. They're a bigger brand like for basketball overall. Michigan's been probably better recently. Okay. Um, but if you're t- talking like past 50 years, it's Michigan state. Even during the Fab Five era, yeah, because Michigan was really good during that. But oh, it's, then they went into a huge tournament 
gap after that where i think for like 10 or 15 years they didn't even make the tournament mm. michigan state's just been consistently good for a long time so magic johnson yeah big magic johnson what has he done now you know where the michigan state doctors got it from <laughs> Oof. Yeah, i mean yeah um i don't know i part of me thinks okay the fact that you have a duke unc game for the final four for the in the final four is cool part of me doesn't like it just because i don't like the teams i think overall it's exciting you know to me that means more than a game against them and like ucla or something so even though i don't like the teams i think it's going to be a good storyline it's compelling yep um so no I, I mean overall i'm really happy with it like i just continue to just think the ncaa tournament layout like the way that this, they do their tournament is like one of the best events in sports. Oh yeah. Um, that first weekend, those first four yeah. days are amazing. So even though you do end up with a bunch of blue bloods, like the process to get there is so much better than a sport like college football, where you just start with the four blue bloods, you know, okay. Like at least here you get to enjoy the process. Okay. So you saying that is my mm-hmm. biggest takeaway from the tournament this year. Like for me, my biggest so the tournament is is fun st peter's run was fun like that was really the only fun story this year like last year i felt like there were a couple fun ones um so i I do think the tournament was better last year but it's still good and obviously there's the coach k story which nobody unless you're duke fan nobody really likes to talk about but it's worth acknowledging um but my biggest takeaway aside from those things is that for all of the people all the critics who have said well if you expand the college football playoff you're diluting the field you're letting worse teams in that don't belong to be there blah 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 all this stuff okay people that say that look at this tournament and mm-hmm. look at the four teams that are left in this final four okay still a lot of the best brands yeah three of the four are yeah. ranked one and two and the fourth one yeah is a blue blood like so basically if you take it into a college football account okay if you expanded the playoffs to 12 teams or whatever okay the yeah there's going to be upsets it happens okay that's part of the beauty of college sports like co- college sports are the most fun when there are upsets that's the best mm-hmm. um like when appalachian i'm never never mind mm-hmm. um but <laughs> great but, memories <laughs> but um no upset to, i don't know to me upsets is where the appeal is in college sports upsets and like i guess the tradition but to think you could have a college football playoff and for all the people who are just you know oh well, it needs to be pure we need to have the best schools only ever mm-hmm. like in a in a scenario where you have the first two seeds get a bye and then like number three would play 12 and number four plays 11 and you keep going down that road Mm -hmm. you may have an upset where maybe 11 beats four or maybe 10 beats five or whatever but you know what in the end you're still probably going to end up with the top somewhere between the top one to six of that 12 team playoff yep and i guess my point with all this is that most years yeah sometimes you'll have like Loyola chicago make a cinderella final four run but most years your final four and especially your championship game are going to be two, the two best teams mm-hmm. in the playoff. And it's amazing to me that people who watch college basketball and who also watch college football can't see, can't seem to see how they should 
change football to be more like basketball. Yeah, and it, like you said, it won't be the four one seeds to use that term or, or whatever who would have been in the college football playoff. But realistically, like how many good college teams really have a chance to make the final four of college football? You're probably almost every year three of the four are going to be basically the same teams that would have been in the playoff. Exactly. Um, and then that leaves you that fun opportunity to have somebody else. And if they're not deserving, like this year, North Carolina being an eight seed or whatever, um, if they're not deserving, then they'll lose. And if they are, then they'll prove you wrong. You know, it's like, I just, I think having that variety where it's like, it's not just the four normal. Well, it was Clemson, Ohio state, Alabama, then this year, Georgia, like, what about the teams that are kind of fringe borderline like Notre Dame is there a lot of years, but like then the Notre Dame's Oklahoma's the Michigan's USC, if they can kind of take a step forward, like those are all the teams that would be the equivalent of like a two or a three seed that are like that second tier. Um, so yeah, I, I think that nobody's saying, Hey, by expanding the college football playoff, now you're going to have central Michigan in the championship game that no one we all know that's not going to happen right like so yeah I, I think you end up with good teams at the end you're still not going to have quite the same parity because college basketball is more random than college football you know so yep. um a team this... can be off and miss shots and stuff more but it's a little <clears throat> bit of a glimpse of like what it could look like you know and i'm about to read something that is exactly part of the conversation you and I have had in the past about how college football needs to be provide more parity for their teams. All right. This is from at Coach Doty on Twitter. But they said Florida Gulf Coast's admissions applications increased 27.5% after their Sweet 16 run. Mm-hmm. Butler's increased 50% after two Final Fours. George Mason's inquiries went up 350% after beating Villanova in 2011. Yeah. Athletics fills beds and builds new buildings. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, it's like that's why you too all have like these small schools in college football will play against teams yep. that are going to kill them because the bigger school pays them money to do it and they yep. get that awareness. They get that TV revenue, you know, all that stuff. Um, like it's just good for the sport to have exposure for team, po- more teams to have chances. You know? My point with that, I know with football, you're not going to have a George Mason in the college football playoff probably, but mm-hmm. it still allows this is exact. Instead of it saying, Oh, this fills beds and builds new buildings or it increases their enrollment. The, the schools that are in the college football playoff don't have issues with that, mm-hmm. but the exact same idea that applies to this quote that i read also applies to football programs being more even across the board Mm -hmm. if you expand it because if you have let's say let's say you have i don't know penn state north carolina oh like yeah uh like like a non-power five undefeated team kind of thing yeah Yeah. ucf or yeah even like penn state or whatever like kind of borderline teams yeah yeah, a borderline team. Let's say they play. Let's say they play Ohio State right down to the line. Like maybe Ohio State wins on a last second field goal, or they lose on a half last second field goal mm-hmm. because they played them so tightly. That school is going to get way more attention from recruits, and you're gonna again, you're gonna build parity in your sport, and that it's just 
I it's um, anyway. So I know we should be talking about college basketball, but basically, it's a good parallel though, yeah, yeah. Basically, what we're saying is college basketball is great. The tournament is great. They don't really need to change anything there, but college football does. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So anyway, uh, anything else? Because otherwise, I have one. We have one last topic here tonight. Uh, I don't think I do. No, we're kind of at that limbo space, like playoffs about to start in hockey and NBA baseball season about to start college basketball is kind of winding down. And then we're right in the middle of the off season for football. So kind of a transition period. So final topic is the NBA to talk about here. Um, really, I don't know if you have much to say about the Pistons, Eh. I just know for the Bulls, the Bulls are hanging on to dear life right now. Um, the Bulls are almost assuredly a, a postseason team. I actually, I think they've been guaranteed that they will play past game 82 this year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's been a um, harrowing fall from grace um, with the Bulls having started out this, this season. Like, you know, at one point, I think they were approaching 20 games over 500 like they were killing it and they were in first by like multiple games in the east like at one point they had they were only like two games behind the suns for the best record in the nba like the bulls were at the top of the league and demar Derozan broke wilt chamberlain's record and like all this crazy stuff was going on and all of this was happening while the whole like while alex caruso was injured and lonzo ball was injured Zach Levine was injured. Patrick Williams was injured. Different players had COVID at different times. Like, it's been a ride of a season, and the Bulls, for so much of it, have been at the top. But lately, this last stretch, this March stretch, has been just brutal. And it's not even the opponents they've played. They have played some tough ones, but the Bulls have just not played well. And... Mm -hmm. That's even with them getting Alex Caruso back and with them getting Patrick Williams back. They have all these guys back. You have Zach Levine and DeRozan are both kind of nursing some injuries right now, which is not helpful. But the point is you have almost your full team. And it is just – it's sad how quickly reality can set in at times. You hope as a Bulls fan that maybe they can recapture some of their – earlier season magic here going into the postseason because the way they're playing right now and they have like eight games to go the way they're playing right now is very uninspired and makes you think they're going to lose in four games and get swept out of the playoffs um Hmm. so hopefully they can kind of get on a ride and get hot at the right time i would here's so a lot of people have been asking the question hot topic in chicago about the bulls has been what needs to happen for you to be satisfied with this season, considering where the Bulls have been and where they were last year and all this stuff? Some Bulls fans have said they're satisfied to just make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I would say in general, I do have a general satisfaction of making the playoffs. I would say my here's my ideal season for the Bulls. Make it a seven-game series. I was going to say the same thing. If you, and a lot of it's, bec- I, I think a lot of it's because they were the best team in the NBA for a while, too. Mm-hmm. And now you're failing. 
Like th- at this point, the expectations have been reset, and now the least I expect of you is to win multiple games in a ch- in a playoff series. So at least push it to seven games. Ideally, you win one series, and maybe you get lucky in a second series. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it, it's been kind of a a harsh dose of reality for Bulls fans and the players. Um, but you and I were talking before the before we started recording about where the Bulls stand, mm-hmm. right? Which that's the other point to me. It's like to be a successful season, if you, which you'll let me know this, like if it's possible to drop to the play in rounds where you're in those like play in games to start, to me, then the expectation is you have to win a series. I think if you make the regular playoffs, you can get it to seven and make it to an elimination game, lose the first series and still be okay with it. But if you drop to the play in rounds, to me, then you have to win your first series. So the Bulls have played 75 games. So they have seven games left. They are um they are basically locked into the five, six, or seven seed. Which seven is a play. Because okay. if you look at their games behind, so the the, between the first top four teams, which is the Heat, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Celtics, mm-hmm. all of those teams are within one game of each other. Yep. <clears throat> then the Bulls and the Raptors have the same record, and then the Cavs are one game behind the Bulls and the Ra- Raptors. So it's like two chunks of teams. So okay. you're in that mix with those with the Bulls with the Raptors and Cavs. Where you're either going to be seven or up to four, and seven five. does put you in the play-in, which okay. you don't want. Now the one, yeah. the one thing that is good for the Bulls if they do go in the play-in is that the Bulls have been unbelievable at home this year, and they would, at being the top play-in seed, they would be able to host. Uh, right now, it would be Atlanta at home. Yep. But you obviously don't want to take that risk of being in the one and done series so Mm -hmm. um here the the benefit is the bulls beat recently they beat the raptors and the Cavs to give them the tiebreaker so like even though the bulls are tied with the cat with the raptors right now the bulls are the five seed instead of the six which yeah all that means is like right now the bulls would play the celtics instead of the bucks and there's a lot of a lot of bulls fans said well i don't want to face the celtics the celtics have been red hot and they have been, but you know what? Celtics could hop the Bucks, so it's kind of well, because all those teams at the top are within a game of each other. I know, but the Bulls have sucked know. against the Bucks, and yeah. the Bulls have beat the Celtics every time they played them this year. Mm-hmm. Like, give me the Celtics because they know they can beat them. Yeah, and the Celtics so. have put themselves in a good spot by being hot. But if the Celtics are hot now and the Bulls aren't hot right now, you take a little bit of a break and then start the playoffs. That could flip. So, yep. Yeah. So anyway. Just my story on the Bulls with it is just that they've been very frustrating to watch lately. A lot of the fun that everyone was having early on in the season has just, it's kind of just dissipated. Like people are, Bulls fans have so much more apprehension and nerves now than you notice at the beginning of the season. And it's, it's frustrating. But what it shows you is that people have accepted that this is the new norm for the Bulls and that this is the way that the Bulls should be. So, um, 
I'm excited. I just want to get to the postseason. I want to know who they're playing. And I'm I'm excited that <coughs> most likely be in a full seven best of seven series. Um so yeah, that's my little NBA update. Yep. Yeah, I don't have anything on the Pistons really. Um, I mean, we're in a position now we're looking at probably a lottery pick. I think better than 50% chance to stay in the top five or tied with the best odds for the first overall pick, which will never happen because there's no way to let the Pistons get first round pick the first overall pick two years in a row. Didn't it happen for the Cavs? Yeah, but I absolutely think the NBA is rigged when it comes to the draft. And so you can tell me whatever system it or whatever, but I really do think there's like some tampering that goes on as far as like certain teams not being allowed to get multiple first overall, especially with how good Kane has looked. So, but See, that year. would that would make me sad because even as a Bulls fan, I feel like the NBA would be better with the Pistons being good. Yeah, I think there's certain teams like the Pacers too, if they were good, like eh. like their fan base is probably even smaller. But like certain teams yeah, that are like staple exactly. brands for the league, you know. Yeah, obviously I, Bulls. You know, I look at job. the the teams that are the teams that are in the bottom here. Yeah, are the Kings and the Pacers and the Thunder and the Pistons and the Rockets and the Magic. The There's Pistons only, are by far the better. The like Pistons the best and the player. Rockets are the only teams yeah. that have won championships of those, <laughs> and are the only ones of pedigree that are worth like yeah them tilting this that scales in the favor for. yeah it'd be interesting but this year too i'm not too stressed about it because there's not any clear-cut number one overall um but i am excited though for the future because kate has looked so good um the it being able to still get a top presumably five pick after already knowing kate is going to be a great player tells me like you have a really good chance to like get that next foundational piece in the draft and then you're really looking at a bright future. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it bodes we'll well. See. It bodes well for you when people talk about Chet Holmgren and Paulo. Is it what have Boncaro, you? Yeah, Boncaro. Yeah. And Ivy. Like, yeah. The fact that people have three already that they mention when they talk about the top, there's probably others I'm unaware of. Yeah. That guy who for, for Auburn, I forget his name, but. Um, but the fact that there's yeah. like a handful of guys that people are like, yep. oh, this is the best prospect. If you can get in the top five, then you'll get one, of, one those. of those guys. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't really, I'm not picky about who. I'm sure you could argue this guy's a better fit for Cade's skill set. Cause I think Cade is at the point where you know he's the future and you draft around him if you can. Um, so you could argue, oh, you don't want to draft a guy who has the same skill set as Cade, draft a guy who's complimentary. Maybe you would look at a guy like Chet Holmgren, who's more of a big guy, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not really worried about it. Like we're still in such the early stages of the rebuild. Like just go get the best player you can and we'll have a good chance. We're getting a really good player. So that's all I have on it, but yeah, we'll see. Yep. Which is a worst. So, okay. So you've told me in the past that like when the lions drafted Joey Harrington, like that was a really bad draft. Like it was a big bust mm-hmm. first overall. Yep. Pick or whatever. Right. Yep. But would you say the Darko pick yeah. is worse? Yeah. Is it the worst draft pick in Detroit history? I'd say it is, and it's part of its revisionist fist history, which maybe isn't Fistry. fair. Oh. <laughs> Fister. I barely know her. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, <laughs> I think it's so it might be unfair, but looking back at everybody who was drafted around there, like basically the entire roster of the Heat dynasty, Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, you know, like God. all these other great players drafted right around there makes it worse. You know, was Chris so, Paul in that draft too? I think he was. Yeah. Jeez. It was so it was LeBron. That's such an insane draft. I think the order was LeBron, Darko. I think ba- then Carmelo, then Bosch, then Wade or something like that. Wow. But it's just like, wow. All you all you do is take anybody else. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, they did. Which, who knows? A lot of it depends on the situation. So maybe Darko would have been even better than one of those guys in Miami. Who knows? Like, probably not. <laughs> but we could have drafted Carmelo and then nobody would have ever heard who, of him, you know? So True. Yeah. But that's probably the worst pick. Awesome. I guess. Awesome conversation. Um, So the the last sports topic before we get into a segment here is what did you think of the boxing match that took place at the Oscars? Mm. Yeah, one one fighter at a very clear reach advantage uh, took (laughs) advantage of it early. Um, I didn't bet that, but yeah, like first round knockout would have been the move there. Um, One one fighter also previously had the identity of Muhammad Ali, so... (laughs) That's true. A little bit of unfair <laughs> advantage. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um <laughs> one one and one of the same fighter also fought a bunch of vampires in an apocalyptic New York City. Yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was a superhero. The and other was fighter was an tail. animated zebra. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> it's just such a wild. Is it like, bad that when okay I, I didn't even get the Chris Rock joke like when he said it about like, GI Jane <laughs> I didn't like look it up exactly to get like once you did though was it funny <laughs> yeah but I mean I didn't at first I was like yeah it, like at first I was like is there actually a GI Jane two that's coming out and there's like right. a joke about it I'm not aware of and then yeah it was like oh Jada Pinkett Smith says she has alopecia and I'm like what is that again so I have to look that up and I'm like yeah. oh uh, so okay. that's why she's shaved her head. And he's saying, oh, because, like, okay, I guess it's kind of, like, it yeah. wasn't as funny as it probably would have been if I knew all it's that. It's very, even knowing that, I feel like it's just, like, a very low-hanging fruit kind of simple joke. Yeah. But it's still fine. Like, that's the whole point of, like, a roast stand-up thing is, like, yeah. you throw in some, like, zingers like that. All right. I'll, okay. like, tip my hand as far as, like, how I feel on this. Like, yeah. Yeah. is it poor taste or whatever? Sure. I will always take the comedian's side in this. Oh, yeah. Like, I just, I'm very much of the opinion that, like, the genre of art, which I think it is, of stand-up, is supposed to be very edgy, yep. push boundaries. Yep. Like, you, you're you not just, like, being controversial just to be controversial, but you're supposed to, like, make edgy jokes, you know? So, like, I will always take the comedian side with oh, stuff for, like this. So, like, so, what if there's somebody in the crowd who's like, my dad died in 9-11, you made a 9-11 joke that sucks i'm sorry for you i wish that didn't happen but like you have to have the ability to make jokes like that as a comedian you know i mean part of it is not only to be edgy and make me because i've I've explained to people like the reason you laugh at things is because something is said or something happens that makes you uncomfortable yeah and your body's way of like coping with that uncomfortability is laughter and like especially there's that aspect to it but also the fact is that like tragedy makes people very uncomfortable obviously 
and people don't know how to release that and sometimes laughed when people say laughter is the best medicine i really think it's a lot of whatever that chemical buildup that there is in your brain from those tragic experiences i think Mm -hmm. when you can add humor to that i think it relieves a lot of that tension i know like just for me personally like i process things by like making jokes a lot of the time you know like and it's i know not everybody does and so you're kind of putting somebody else in a situation where they might not be comfortable i just think like if you're going to an event where you know there's going to be a comedian hosting it's kind of an expectation that like jokes are going to be made and when you're sitting like in the front right and it's like it might be seen as in poor taste or whatever but like being able to laugh at yourself and again, not to like, and it's one thing downplay. To, like I'm sure she's had to deal with a lot of stuff with alopecia, but it's not like she has cancer. You know, like right. it's a little different. You know, I don't know. It's just oh yeah. It, I'm can you not, imagine if she was like going through chemotherapy and he made that joke. Yeah, that's to to me that's worse. But part of me is like, even if he did, probably even less in good taste. But it still is like it's fair to critique it and be like, hey, that's the reality. That's kind of out of bounds. But he's still a comedian, you know. And like, the reality is that everybody, most of the people here at the that were there at the Oscars, are people whose lives are very much in the public forum. Okay, yeah. and everybody knows every like seemingly knows everything about these people. And very privileged compared to everybody else watching this, you know. Yeah. Like, and yeah. so Chris Rock making a joke about that, like even though I didn't get it at first, yeah. most people are aware that Jada Pinkett Smith had alopecia and then mm-hmm. when everyone was making jokes about will smith being a cuck again, right not- like that's the even more low-hanging fruit like if i'm them, yeah. i'm just like a thank you for picking that you know right yeah right. well yeah. And, that, and so that goes back to the whole thing i mean you've probably watched the video several times like i have but <laughs> it's funny because when chris rock first makes the gi jane joke the camera captures will smith like chuckling yeah at it and then and then she set off the shot collar she had tied around his balls and reminded him (laughs) you're supposed to defend me yeah um (laughs) and i my i love too because chris rock definitely wasn't expecting anything to happen because he was like oh whoa like uh oh (laughs) and then it actually did happen (laughs) Uh oh i angered him like oh no (laughs) um which he handled that really well too like the jokes about, for the most part, I feel like most people are taking his side, but some of the jokes were funny. It's I saw one where it was like props to him for not like rubbing his face and crying after yeah. that because I could tell he wanted to, you know, like <laughs> he did Dude. handle it as well as you could have. And like if he doesn't press charges, which I hope he doesn't, he didn't. Like, so it's like to me, that's like I respect that too, you know. And um, I, yeah, I, I respect that a lot because I do think too, as a comedian. Sometimes you do have to deal with the blow. Yeah, if you're going to give it, you got to be able to take it. I'm not saying it's fair to be physically assaulted, (laughs) but like that's an ultimate example of, hey, you dish it out, you get it back. And like to me, that shows if you are a real comedian when you are able to dish out like really what could be seen as poor taste, but you also are okay with the consequences of that. You know, so go rewatch the video, especially the part after Will Smith cusses at chris rock because chris rock chris rock at one point like he's kind of at a loss for words and he's at one point he actually says like 
I could go, and then he like cuts himself off. Yeah, and I, I really want almost gonna like throw another zinger out there, you know. Well, like, either could... a zinger or I want. I really hope Chris Rock in his head was like, I could go right now, Will Smith. Like, let's go. Ooh, like, okay. I would watch that. I could go for... six rounds, and then he like stops himself. <laughs> you know how a lot of people have said like, oh, boxing is getting so gimmicky because all these like Jake Paul and people like this yep. are fighting. Get me actual actual Hollywood celebrities <laughs> fighting. Awesome. I would totally watch that. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I feel bad for Will Smith, too, because clearly he's got dealing with a lot of different news stories, different issues. He's been in the spotlight for a long time. Like winning the best actor. Yes. Yeah. Real <laughs> struggle. It's like, but like. I hear. I know what you're saying. Also having two kids who are like weird. Bat crap. Insane. Yes. You know, like. And then Probably also, because of Jada. And the fact that he's dealing with a lot of this humiliation from her, which, like, at a certain point, it's like, well, you kind of bring it on yourself. You're, you know, still in this relationship. But I can, like, re- respect the fact that, like, he's trying to make things work still, despite all the, like, humiliation he's enduring. And then, like, he's doing what he can. He's emotional in the moment or whatever. Um, so I, I think people are love to be outraged at this, too. I think my perspective is, like, it's fine to look at this and just be like, hey, that was entertaining. Yeah. And move on. You know. So I loved I loved how people were like, Jada's gonna let Will watch so hard today. <laughs> right. Like that's why this is great because yeah. nobody was seriously hurt. Nobody's feelings were hurt beyond repair. Nobody's face was hurt beyond repair. We can all move on, but it's gonna give us a few days of like really funny Twitter content. Yeah. Okay. It's perfect. It's a win-win. <laughs> last last question before we move on to our segment. There's been debate I've already seen of mm. was it staged? Yeah, I don't think it was. Because so based on this climate now, like I think you would stage like cussing somebody out or pushing them or whatever, but to like physically slap somebody there's a Will Smith could face a lot of like losing roles and things like that for this potentially so i think they you know wouldn't like, he anyway if he just like pushed him no or what do you mean wait i don't get what your point is i think like are you saying is it staged as in like will smith and chris rock agreed beforehand to do this like you're gonna make this joke i'm gonna go up and slap you we're gonna get a lot of attention or whatever yeah so, like, the reason I don't think so is because even if they agreed ahead of time and Chris Rock said, hey, I'm not going to press charges, how many, like, production oh. companies or stuff aren't going to work with Will Smith now, even if it's just in the short term? Like, I, I think there's a chance that because of this, he misses out on some movie roles and stuff like that. So, unless they came out later and be like, hey, we did stage that or we faked it or whatever, I think it's going to hurt his career in the short term. Yeah. So, to do that just to boost the ratings for an Oscar, I don't think would happen. Yeah. I just think... So I don't think it was staged, but I the one thing I do think about is that the Oscars have been, mm-hmm. in my opinion, slowly dying out. Kind of like baseball, actually, going back to that <laughs> theme. Yeah. Um, the Oscars used to be something I, I remember looking forward to watching, and a lot of people like would look forward to watching. But especially when they went through the whole Kevin Hart controversy of, yeah. Oh my word, Kevin Warhart made a gay joke once and he's the worst person on the planet. We Clearly. need to cancel yeah. him and cancel everybody else who makes gay jokes. Yep. Um and then they were like, Oh, but now we don't know what to do about a host. Oh, well, this one year 
like was the year of Bohemian Rhapsody, so we'll just have Queen play the music to open it. And then the next year was like, I don't know, let's have like a collaboration of people. And this year it was like, hey, you know what would be hilarious is let's have Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes be the host <laughs> of <laughs> like yeah. that was a good idea. Yeah. And you want to talk about getting somebody who's like not offensive and edgy, and then you get Amy Schumer. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, where I do, I fully believe is where ratings are boosted is like exactly that's what that's what that was my point i really believe that when they mess up like miss america pageant stuff or like announcing the wrong show one or something i think a lot of times that's been staged moonlight yeah the reason i don't think this is is because he's gonna like face repercussions for it probably um so like if they were gonna boost the ratings i think what they would do instead is like you know i don't know like something crazy happens um somebody like falls and has a wardrobe malfunction or something like i could see something like that versus this you know i just can't wait for snl next week oh yeah. they're definitely gonna do something with that <laughs> yeah um so it's so. it's funny yeah i mean it, yeah yeah well and like you said like even if will smith gets canceled for this like yeah he just won best actor and he has how many millions of dollars like yeah He's gonna be fine, and I'm on Chris Rock's side. If you would, and the rest of Will Smith's family, this. frankly, should be canceled. So, <laughs> right. As much as I like support Chris Rock's side in this or whatever, I don't think he should be like canceled or face punishment for this. If Chris Rock decides as the one who got slapped, I'm not gonna press charges. Then everybody else should just be like, all right, we'll do the same. You know, let him off. You know, like, you know what I just realized. Chris Rock and Jada Pinkett Smith worked together on Madagascar movies because Jada Pinkett Smith was a hippo. <laughs> Do they? Yeah. So uh-huh. I wonder even if Chris Rock in his mind was like, oh, she won't mind this joke. We've worked well, together. Like, yeah, we, we know each other. Like, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Get my wife's name <laughs> out of your mouth. Should be worried more about what is in his wife's mouth. To be That's honest, right. But yeah, That's who right. am I to judge? Yeah. All right. Well, we have one <coughs> segment for tonight on, uh, sort of a shorter episode here Mm -hmm. um and it is mad libs yes i I can't get these memories out of my mind and some kind of This is madness! But I don't want to go among mad people. Oh, you can't help that. Most everyone's mad here. (laughs) My favorite segment. Would you like to explain it? So, if you've ever been on a road trip, which is probably where most people do Mad Libs, or just done one in general, I guess, what you're going to do is you're going to read a story with blanks in the sentences, and you're going to ask me for a noun, a verb, adverb, adjective, color, title, like whatever, to fill those in. You've removed some words from the story, and I'm going to fill in the missing pieces um, from whatever article or uh, sports headline you've chosen. Yes, and um, for tonight, uh, we're recording very late in the evening, and so I did not have a chance to do a full article. So this is a 
this will be a short mad lib it's a shorter article i i picked from but let's go ahead and do it so yep. um i first will need a noun boobs all right well oh, boob hold on let me make sure okay breast Oh, breast. We'll do breast. Okay. Titty. Verb. Mm, slap. Okay. Um. I need a crime. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that one. <laughs> I was gonna say necrophilia. Oh. Um. Dad, um, let's wait. Do it. That's I've a crime. No, <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> For legal reasons, this is a joke. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we can come back to it. I mean, I, let's just use it. At this point, I've said it and made the joke. Uh, okay. All right. Very good. <laughs> All right. I need a verb. Um rummaging I need a an award hmm um sexiest man alive I need a verb past tense um All right, I need a plural noun. Hmm. Bobcats. I need an adjective. Slippery. I need a verb. Dildo in. Alright, one second. I need a, another plural noun. US presidents. I need another another past tense verb. Spanked. I need a number sixty nine. I need a noun. Hmm. Biscuit. I need another number. Twelve. All right. I need another noun. Brothel. I need a verb. Slide. Sliding. 
slide slid i need an adjective aroused i need a noun Mm. Refrigerator. I need a verb. Boinked. I need another verb. Mm. Straddling. Um, I need a noun. Give me a good mannequin. Oh boy. All right. I need a verb. Another verb. Beating. Ooh, interesting. Wait. Could be a T in different ways. (laughs) Wait, is this with a T or a D? T. Okay. Eating. All right. Noun. (laughs) Meat. (laughs) What? (laughs) Meat. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you said me. I was like, be. Oh. <laughs> All right. And then I need a location Bangladesh. All right. So this is a portion, an excerpt, an excerpt, yes, of it from an article titled, um, oh, wait, this is not the right one. What the heck did I do with it? What? I'm totally ruining it. Okay. This is an excerpt from a title. Wow. I'm I can't even speak right. This is an excerpt from an article mm-hmm. entitled Andrea Tomey, wife of Indians legend Jim Tomey, says family has canceled Cleveland Brown season tickets over Deshaun Watson trade. Ooh. I'm sure this so, will be a very insightful article. Yes. Adding to the titty of longtime Cleveland Browns fans upset over the team's decision to slap for quarterback Deshaun Watson, who was who has 22 ongoing civil cases alleging <laughs> sexual necrophilia and assault. Other wow. another prominent Cleveland sports family family is rummaging the team. Oh, so did you catch those crimes he's <laughs> accused of? I did. That's quite a rap sheet. Andrea Tomey, the wife of former Sexiest Man Alive slugger Jim Tomey, announced on her Twitter page Friday that she sucked the family's brown season bobcats after the introductory introductory slippery conference the franchise had to dildoing the Watson trade. Mm. (laughs) Then this is uh, the next two paragraphs here are tweets that she sent. Okay. Officially spanked our Brown season U.S. presidents today and asked for a, a refund as they were paid in full. Andrea Tomey wrote, very sad after 69 years as a fan, but this is my biscuit in the sand. I believe women, especially when there are 12 of them. That press conference did arouse to slide my mind. Okay. This last, this last paragraph is something. So, uh, this, this, this last thing is another tweet from her. They may not give us a brothel, but I sent the refrigerator today. If the Browns won't boink, I will straddle off every single mannequin <laughs> and, 
and publicly beating every meat to a different women's crisis charities in Bangladesh, raising awareness week by week during the season. Wow, what a threat. (laughs) (laughs) Probably publicly straddle every mannequin and beat every meat. (laughs) And then they would do that for women's charities in Bangladesh. (laughs) Be right back. I'm moving to Cleveland. (laughs) Oh, wow. Holy crap. That's inspiring. Oh man! Did like you... Will Smith, I really respect when celebrities take a stand like that. It's uh, admirable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, you like Will Smith? Deshaun Watson got in a fight and he moved somewhere, or he <laughs> right. got in, involved in a crime in and trouble he moved and moved away. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Good stuff. Thank you. Well, well, not exactly good stuff. Yeah, depends how you define that, I guess. <laughs> Um, so as we close with more things that aren't good, uh, do you have any grievances you need to, to air? You fool! I've been trained in your Jedi arts by Count Dooku! Arm your not! You must realize... I haven't had much time to think about this exactly. Um, how about, how about, I, I have like a good story to tell. Okay. So, um, I, I may, I don't remember if I actually, how specific I got on this epi- podcast, but I know you at least know, and now listeners know if I haven't mentioned it before that my, an uncle I was very close to passed away um a few weeks ago which is why we had a hiatus at one point mm-hmm. um but i am i'm just so on like my aunt is you know she's having a very hard time working through the grieving process and everything but i am so like <clears throat> part it, it's hard like she doesn't want to go through his things but she also wants to go through his things if that makes sense and mm-hmm. Anyway, he ha- she he had two things that she really wanted me to have, and she told me that he would have wanted me to have it, and they are sports related, and so I I wanted to share it because they're super cool, and I'm like, when she gave them to me, I was like like at a lot lost for words, and I'm still kind of like just amazed by it. But hmm. so one is I have the autobiography of Walter Payton signed hmm. by his wife Connie Payton. And addressed to my uncle. So I have that, which is really cool. And what's even cooler is... So in 1976 and 77, I want to say, my uncle was like 11 years old and had his first bout of cancer. He had stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma. And... Apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently my uncle's uncle, so my 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 mom's uncle, so my great uncle, <clears throat> was apparently good friends with Jerry Venisi. Mm-hmm. Jerry Venisi was previously the treasurer for the Chicago Bears during the seventies, and then later um, 
during the Super Bowl era was the general manager of the Bears. Wow. So apparently he was good friends with my great uncle and my great uncle had told Jerry Venisi about my uncle who was going through the struggle with cancer as a boy. <clears throat> and so Jerry Venisi, we still haven't figured out what year this is from yet, but he had the entire Chicago Bears roster in mid 70s sign a football and she passed oh. that on to me um, from him that and it is cool. super cool um, yeah. I haven't looked hard enough at it yet to find Walter Payton's signature but it should be on there mm-hmm. um, based on when that happened um, that's cool Gary Fen- there's a couple other 80s bears like Gary Fensick is on there um, so anyway just kind of a cool story wow. and that you know cool. obviously you hate to lose a loved one um, but I was just honored that she thought of me in that way and like yeah, I, I'm just. I, I, it immediately becomes one of my most proud, proudest material possessions. So yeah, and it's that cool like transferring of a legacy of a sports fan. Yeah, where it's like I think of for myself as a sports fan, like what are the things I'll hand down one day? You know, it's like, and, and it's cool because it's something that like was a connection between you two, yep. and that brought you together while he was here, and so yep. kind of to yeah, that's that's cool. And and I mean. <clears throat> You know this, but a lot of the listeners don't know. Like, he was probably he was probably the relative, at least I'm for me, that was the most like supportive and interested in our show. I know that he he's in the generation where podcasts they're not really that interested in listening to them. Mm-hmm. So he he wasn't like a religious listener, but he listened to several episodes. Um, I know one episode he loved was the uh we recorded an episode where we had michael cerami of bleacher nation and chris castellani who's now mm-hmm. with barstool sports on to talk cubs and tigers and that was that was the our big baseball episode after covid had locked yep. baseball out for several months um so i know that episode is also hella long that episode's like three <laughs> hours long <laughs> yeah and i'm pretty sure he's told me he listened to the whole thing like nice so yeah def I, I yeah the legacy thing so anyway yeah so mm, that's really cool there's my little story it's not, absolutely not at all an airing of grievance but i have nothing <laughs> no. else to complain about at this exact moment so yeah no i like that uh i'll throw a couple out there it's just that if i mean obviously by my voice i'm still struggling i've just been sick um i blame having young kids now i never used oh, to yeah. get sick often or Agreed. be sick for this long and it's just like now you come home and it's like i'm already sick and they're like if snot everywhere it's like well that's why you know so um it couldn't be my poor diet and lack of sleep that's and there i mean kids always are putting their hands in places where there's bodily fluid yeah it's mainly their mouth and their nose but sometimes diapers or other things yeah yeah it's pretty gross if you stop and think about it so i don't very often (laughs) um but being sick sucks um i'm also irritated that the weather which is also part of why i've been sick is like will be really nice and then be really cold again it's you know welcome to the midwest midwest (laughs) unfortunately yeah. yeah um 
And I guess that's it. Like you vented about Bears Twitter and I did about Lions fans in general, but just Twitter in general. Like days like these past couple days with all the Will Smith stuff make it worth it because it was Twitter's <laughs> just so entertaining and everything. Yeah. But like the general like day-to-day, week-to-week t- like sports Twitter is full of some of like the worst takes you, you'll you see. Ever. Okay, yeah. So you real know? quick, I guess I can vent about this like – a couple weeks ago when Michigan State lost in the round of 32. Oh, yeah. yeah. You and I, so you had started funny. going on all sorts of different Michigan State tweets and, like, basically just being like, you know, you know, <clears throat> basically so saying, oh, Michigan. Or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, Michigan is clearly the, has the best, you know, is now better at both football and basketball <laughs> than Michigan State. Yeah. Or something, you know. Just like, like poking that. fun, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then I started getting involved and I like really leaned into the to the bit, but people clearly don't understand because again it's on social media. But like I'm not even I don't give two craps about Michigan State or Michigan. Like I don't care right. about those teams. And if anything, I'd prefer to see both teams lose, probably. Like right. yeah. I really don't care. But because you were doing it, I was like, Oh, I'll do this, this would be funny. And people are getting so upset, like Maybe I wasn't being clear enough that it was a joke, but to me, it was sometimes like I think it's like, okay, it's hard to read sarcasm on Twitter. There's other times where I'm just like, this person just doesn't understand, you know, like some yeah. people just aren't smart enough to read a comment and understand what you're saying, you know? Um, yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, this is clearly a joke. <laughs> right. We had another interaction like that today, actually. Um, so did we? Yeah. On the, oh yeah <laughs> about the what was going on there i didn't yeah even, did you see what was <laughs> posted by the guy that got suspended because i didn't even see it no i saw it after it already been deleted so it was kind of makes it a shame but yeah it's just funny some people just aren't capable of reading sarcasm even well, when it's super obvious you know, so, so i'll we'll just be i'll just be transparent we commented on a nick adams post always and, a good time <laughs> but nick adams he see he's he's somebody who he's he, I think he's a parody account. The more I've watched, he the more I'm know, starting dude. to be convinced that he's like a deep fake parody account. I've been doing this for a long time. But, just but the problem like is people like, think that's his if that is actually his opinion. The problem is that his opinions seem so like ridiculous. Yeah. That then when but that there's people out there who agree with them, and then that's where it gets really. But then crazy. when I make a very sarcastic joke about the Bible character Samson, right. people like that guy originally was very upset by my comment about that until I explained to him. No, no. I don't actually think he's like a super great guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, because right. I don't even remember you because the the post was like people should parents should raise their sons to be more like tim tebow and less like will smith right which first so of all my, it's not even a comparison but okay. no they don't even do at all the same thing so it's like to me that's why it feels like a parody because you're like basically intentionally race baiting at that point you're like yeah. <laughs> so it's like when you say something like that and then i responded like super sarcastically and said the only thing my son will be thumping is his bible like that's as right. a joke like to me that's a very clear joke right 
And then yours underneath it was even clearer where you're like, I want to raise my son to be like Samson. Who's a Bible uh, who tore apart animals with his bare hands and, you even and say murdered that hundreds of people. Yeah. And also he with was like players. a player because yeah. he's like with multiple like girls or whatever, you know, it's like yeah. clearly a joke and people <laughs> respond and they're like, you're a psychopath. He was a like, he's a bad guy. They said Samson was a religious terrorist. Why would you want your son to grow up to be like, it's just like, can nobody just read a joke? Like at this point with a, an account like his, probably half the people who follow him are doing it to make jokes, you know? So it's like, you'd think people would be a little better at reading when that's a that's joke. Insane, so. Dude. Yeah. So that's my Absolutely. last one is just like, I continue to be like, kind of like disappointed sometimes with the, it's fun, but like every once in a while you come across a comment, you're like, really? Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. when I've had, some people some people will comment on mine and I'm like comment on jokes I make and I'll be like is is this supposed to be like another joke? It's not funny. Like right. I I my joke about you saw my joke about Matt Rule today. Yeah, right. That like was... somebody commented on that and that because I, I commented the same thing on Big Cat's post because he said something that, about yeah. it. And for all the listeners, I said Matt Rule is feeling the pain of heavy humidity and direct floridian sunlight and its horrific effects on pasty fat white guys trust me i know <laughs> right it's funny and like, that's really funny. someone commented on it and it's like we all do i'm afraid florida attacks midwestern men like eggs on an arizona sidewalk in summer like <laughs> i guess it's kind of funny i don't know it's like, yeah anyway yeah well this has been a fun episode and i you know we can good to be back there's no reason to say cheer up, but we have to say it for the song. So mm-hmm. cheer up, man in Michigan hat, or else Will Smith will slap you. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best And Always look on the bright side of life Thank you for listening. It's so late at night I've forgotten what our closing is, but if you How about you? (laughs) How about you? (laughs) Share your frustrations and at our Twitter nudies with us at real fm podcasts on twitter and at furious george 94 at michigan hat yeah that's right and at and frustration nation at shoot your is that correct sounds right <laughs> i think that is um frustration nation yes that's right we yeah so you know we love you guys thank you for listening we appreciate the support all right, so please support the show. Consider supporting it on Patreon for a monthly donation or Venmo tip jar for one-time donation. Every little bit helps. Even one dollar, which is approximately a four, which is approximately three hundred ninety-nine dollars less than it costs to make a single Oscar statue, wow. makes a big difference for us. We appreciate the support. So get out there. And slap a rock. When you look at it, life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true. 
You'll see it's all a show. Keep them laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. Come on, Brian, cheer up. a good poll the price of the statue huh were you the one that shared the tweet that somebody said like uh will smith slapped with an open palm because paper beats rock <laughs> i did that's awesome <laughs> yeah that's one of those like great twitter ones there was so much good stuff from that hmm. i saw one that jokes too <laughs> oh and the one will smith i'm so sorry i wasn't your mother <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it's one of the ones i laughed out loud when i saw it <laughs> or the one where it's showing the slap and it says uh august whatever his name is is will smith and says jada's cheeks <laughs> and the, the you're rock. not sure that one but that's hilarious and it's the, him getting slapped <laughs> oh, oh my word no there's oh i was part of my breaking per source from the hollywood reporter will smith will be playing the role of Jawan howard in a new that's movie. the look-alike already was like people had talked about it so it's such a perfect <laughs> well and then the rise to fame during the 90s all culminating to the fa- infamous slapping incident in 2022 i would absolutely watch that i would too uh, I'm trying to think. Somebody said, I know we're all still processing, but the way casual violence was normalized tonight will have consequences we can't even fathom in the moment. I said, this wasn't casual. It was very formal violence, to be fair. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs>